This is an AMI podcast. I'm Dave Brown, and this is a podcast version of AMI's Morning Show, now with Dave Brown. Catch the live broadcasts weekdays from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Health Canada has released its third annual reports on medical assistance in dying. Accessibility reporter Megan Gilmore joins us now to summarize the report and share some of the reaction. Hey, good morning, Megan. Good morning, Dave. So, Megan, let's start here. Why did you want to take a deeper dive into this report? Well, besides just taking one for the team on reading through government jargon, Uh, This report is the first one that takes into account what happened with medical assistance in dying after Bill C-7 was passed in 2021, which, as um, our audience knows, expanded the eligibility uh, criteria for those who can receive me. Um, So this data that we'll be looking at is from 2021, and it's the first one that takes into account uh, this landscape after C-7. So the overall summary, in 2021, there were 10,064 made deaths in Canada, which accounts to 3.3% of all deaths in the country. That also brings the total of people who've died by made since 2016 to 31,664. Uh, and we've seen increases every year and pretty much in every jurisdiction, except in the Northwest Territories and Nunavut, where there's no numbers of made deaths reported in those jurisdictions. Um, That doesn't mean that individuals who live there haven't received made. They may have gone elsewhere, but there's no reporting um, from those jurisdictions. The main causes of suffering that have been reported are a loss of ability to engage in meaningful activities or perform activities of daily living. Also, a main one continues to be isolation. 17% of individuals who um, received MAID did report isolation and loneliness as uh, one of their reasons for seeking MAID. And then what makes this uh, particularly pertinent to us in talking about a post-C7 context is in 2021, there were 219 individuals who died of MAID whose natural death was not considered reasonably foreseeable. And that would account to 2.2% of individuals who did die of made of those 2.2% of people, 43% of them required disability supports of some kind, and 87.4% of those who needed disability re- supports received them before their death. So that's the quantitative data of people whose death mm-hmm. was not reasonably foreseeable, foreseeable. What else did the report have to say about them? So the most reported medical condition was neurological. That's 45.7%. And neurological, that would include things like ALS or multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, that sort of thing. That's significant because when you look at the individuals who died under track one, so those whose natural death is reasonable foreseeable, that's the language of the criminal code, the most common uh, cited medical reason or underlying condition is cancer. Uh, neurological conditions comes later on that. For those whose natural death is not reasonably foreseeable, neurological conditions is number one. Uh, The second uh, condition was just other. 
So it doesn't really tell us exactly what it is. So it'll be like neurological conditions, but other, then you'll go down into things that are like cardiovascular or cancer. Um, but other is a fairly large category. I think uh, more than 30% um, classified as that. And then also people are younger in the category of those who are dying, whose death is not uh, reasonably foreseeable. So um, there's about uh, average age of 70 as compared to uh, the track one, which would be an average age of 76. And more than a third of individuals who died under this track two, for those whose natural death is not reasonable foreseeable, were between the ages of 18 and 64. So 37% of them were between the ages of 18 and 64, are quote unquote working age Canadians. And that's compared to 16.7% in track one who were between the ages of 18 and 64. Let's jump into some of the reaction from disability advocates. What was some of the reaction to people you spoke with? Sure. So one of the things to understand when you read this report is that the way the report is written is it's um, you could argue that the report itself is very um, takes a very positive, favorable approach to MAID and that it would say that accessing MAID is a good thing. Any challenges that an individual may face and receiving it is a bad thing. And the way you can tell that is through the adjectives that are chosen. I'm going to go back to grammar school. Um, a government reports look at how people describe things. So, for example, I just mentioned that 37% of individuals in track two are between the ages of 18 and 64. That's described in the report as a slight increase over those in track one. It's actually more than 20%. Um, so it's more than a, a, a slight increase. So that said, in general, a lot of the reaction that you're going to hear from disability advocates is critical of the, of the report's language, critical, critical of some methodology things, and in general will argue that the report raises more questions than answers. Uh, so, for example, I spoke to Catherine Frazzi, who is a professor emeritus at Toronto Metropolitan University and a disability advocate, and she raised concerns about how fast the number of people uh, receiving MAID has increased, and here's what she had to say. What does it mean that we have seen these unprecedented rates? What is it about Canada's system that they're seeing in advance at rates that far exceed the other few handful of jurisdictions that are applying MAID? And we really have to ask ourselves what that is. Is it that um, we have taken a more liberal approach to the law? Is it that we are indeed euthanizing people who should be alive today? Is it that doctors are, are becoming too liberal or too comfortable in the practice of uh, ending a person's life? Um, upon request? Um, is it because uh, Canadians are giving up hope for a better life, for the possibility of holding on to dignity and uh, some measure of comfort and meaning in their life, uh, and that we're giving up on that, that uh, prospect uh, more and more easily, more and more readily, now that we have this um, opportunity to end our lives early, like we really need to examine what are the forces that are driving this really rapid 
escalation in the use of made as a life-ending strategy. So, Megan, we heard Catherine say there, we want more examinations. So what specific specific information would advocates like to see? So uh, more exact information about what disabilities and medical conditions individuals have. Again, the category of other um, is very broad. Like, can we kind of break that down a, a bit? Um, and also more information about where individuals are living before they die of MAIDS. So there's information about where people are when they receive it. Um, specifically, are you are you at home? Are you in a hospital? But we don't know where people were living when they requested it. Um, and in some cases that have been fairly widely publicized in recent months when the housing has been an issue. Um, I spoke to Natalia Hicks from Inclusion Canada, and she really emphasized that um, uh, that other category is typically in a pie chart that would be like your last little sliver. Uh, here it's number two. So that shows that there's a lot more uh, that needs to be done in terms of pointing out what falls into that category. Um, and then also Catherine Frazzi points out that the information about the number of MAID practitioners uh, could be better described. Um, there is a portion where the report will break down if a, if a healthcare professional who administers made, like did they give, how, how many times did they do this in the last year? So you're given three options, either they did it once, either they did it between two times and nine times, or they did it more than 10 times. Uh, but that, like, what if there's a few doctors who are doing it dozens of times, right? That's not really shown in the data when your highest number there is 10. Um, it doesn't really help you break down who is who is administering this and when and why, that sort of thing. And what else would they like to see in reports moving forward? Sure. So the government has actually already announced that beginning next year, they will be including more data, specifically in, in regards to gender, race, Indigenous status and disability. Um, and when I spoke to Natalie Hicks from Inclusion Canada, she said that it's important for the government to capture more data on what is causing people to want to access MAID and to dive it and to, and as she put it, like, we know that people's suffering is so much more complex. So even if you're saying, you know, what type of disability somebody may have, try to bring that out, try to show the more nuance there. And also she talked about how it may actually be um, instructive for the public if there's an element of self-reporting. So a lot of the reporting that, actually all the reporting, that this report or these other Health Canada reports draws on all comes from the medical profession. It comes from practitioners who administer MAID and they describe their different um, patients and what, they, what their life was like before they died, but we don't actually hear from the individuals who died. Uh, so there is a call to actually have individuals, um, if they choose, give a public self-report. And then Catherine Frazzi also explained a little bit more of what individuals may need to know. Well, um, at the very least, we need to know much more about the reasons that people have, that those people wanted to die. And we want to know much more and much more granular detail about the conditions of the lives that they were willing and eager to surrender. Um, so, you know, were they living in abject poverty? Were they facing uh, a, a forced move to an institution 
that they feared more than anything. Uh, were they uh, suicidal? Were they survivors of profound um, abuse or trauma? Were they people who could have been much better helped by the mental health support system or by uh, in-home personal supports or by technology that would help them communicate or by pain management? You know, what are the things that, what are the systems that actually failed these people and made them want to die? Megan, what are doctors saying about, or some doctors saying about the administration of MAID? Right. So I know um, when I'm doing reporting on areas related to disability and the medical system, there for some individuals, there's a lot of fear around accessing the medical system. Um, and there are some doctors who are uh, concerned about the number of individuals with disabilities um, uh, seeking or requesting MAID as a result of these social concerns. Uh, so the following statement was sent to me by Dr. Ramio. Uh, sorry, Romano Kaleo, who um, uh, is with an organization from uh, Mad to Made, and it's, this is endorsed by over a thousand physicians, and the statement reads, and starting, as physicians, we continue to express grave concern over the shocking, the, over the skyrocketing number of cases of medically assisted death as described in the third annual report of medical assistance of dying in Canada 2021. The removal of safeguards and experience of eligibility for administered death to those who are not dying under Bill C-7 has created an ableist system that puts vulnerable Canadians at risk of wrongful death. This is evidenced by the myriad media stories of people being offered death or given death instead of the necessities of life, such as housing, supports, and medical care. How Canada claims it is responsible for improving the health and life of Canadians, this should involve ensuring Canadians can access the basic resources needed to live rather than promoting policies that encourage suicide. Megan, you've been on this beat for a long, long time. What are you hearing from people as you report on this? One of the topics that I actually think uh, would be interesting for me personally to actually do a little bit more digging into is the role that pain management and access to different pain medications plays into this. So uh, there's uh, chronic pain is one of the reasons that some will give for requesting or considering made. And there are concerns there about which medications are available to people. So in, um, I would argue, a well-intended desire to respond to a very real addiction crisis, um, does that then put some individuals who are not addicts but need stronger pain medication at risk for not receiving the medication that they need? So chronic pain and the systems around management for that continues to be a big um, concern for people. Obviously, um, income supports. I know there's been people on this program recently talking about talking about that. that that's always always there. Um, and then also this whole existential feeling of what is it like to live with a disability in this country with uh, made for those whose death is not reasonably foreseeable hanging over your head? And what does that do to somebody's mental health just in general as they're considering what it means to live a life with a disability? Megan, we're really tight for time here, but what's on the radar in terms of what's coming down next in regards to made policy and analysis? 
Right. So there is a special joint committee right now that is um, considering uh, further concerns with MAID, including the state of palliative care, uh, supports for individuals who have disabilities, made for mature minors, mental illness, advanced directives, all of that. That final report is, is expected in October, and we can expect to see changes to reporting in the next year of it. And before we say goodbye, give me the 30-second note on the newest edition of Connecting Disability podcast. That is a great pun, Dave, because the latest episode does deal a lot with music and how that can uh, relate to our experience with disability. Our guest is Ian Walker, who's an arts administrator, playwright, author, and he also shares some very personal stories about what happens when boy band fans reach middle age. (laughs) That's fair. Good point. Megan, thank you for this. We got to go. All right. Thanks. Have a good day. You've been listening to Now with Dave Brown. Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.